welcome to episode 82 of the Optical View podcast. Today on this episode, I have Ryan Yapsom. Ryan Yapsom is a 2-0 professional MMA fighter in the featherweight division. His last fight at the time of recording this came out of Durham Fight Series. Hope you guys enjoy this. I know I certainly did catching up with Ryan Yapsom. Kind of hearing a little bit about his goals and kind of what he has planned as, kind of, as well as his backstory and how he got started. As always, guys, I'll see you in the next one. Hi, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Optical View Podcast. Today, I'm super excited to be joined with Ryan Yapsim. How's it going, Ryan? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm excited. I finally was able to get you on and, and get this thing working. Yeah, no, I appreciate you having me out. It's always good when I have someone who's... uh willing to talk to me about like my craft and things like that. So I'm excited to be here. Now, before we get into the juicy stuff, I have a couple of quick rapid fire questions for you, just so the audience gets to know you a little bit more. Cool. What's your favorite genre of music? Hip hop. What is your favorite thing about yourself? Just off the top of your head. A determination. What do you think is the best gift that you ever received? Wow. Best gift I've ever received. My mom once took me on vacation. Okay, I'm going to flip that around. What do you think is the best gift that you ever gave? I gave my uncle my first professional win gloves. My first MMA, pro MMA fight, I gave him my gloves. Wow, that's beautiful. You have a favorite quote. If you do, what is it? Favorite quote. If you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. Ooh, okay, okay. If a movie ever gets made about you, who would you want to play you in the movie? Main character's got to be Jackie Chan. Okay, all right. I love it. Kind of moving on to this or that. It's real simple. Two options. You got to pick one. All right. Audiobook or podcast? Podcast. Hot or cold weather? Hot. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Morning or night person? Morning. Tacos or burgers? Burgers. Pancakes or waffles? Pancakes. Salad or soup? Soup. Pizza or pasta? Pizza. Introvert or extrovert? Introvert. Apple or Android? Android. All right, all right. I like it. Now we're moving on to the last kind of segment before we get into the juicy stuff here. This is just a couple specialized questions for you. And the first one I ask everybody. So I'm a big tattoo guy. I love tattoos. What is your favorite tattoo either on yourself or on somebody else that you've ever seen? My favorite tattoo that just I've seen on somebody else is just uh, just a simple one. My brother's got my name tatted on his uh, left shoulder blade, I believe, along with my sister's name as well. That's my favorite one. I love it. For you, I know you're a fighter. You've had lots of fights. What are your top three walkout songs? Top three walkout songs. I'm pretty plain with my walkout songs. I've been criticized by a lot of people. I was then. Are you still here? Oh, you know what might have happened? This doesn't happen usually much on Android. That's why I didn't bring it up. Uh, if you can still hear me, sometimes what happens is the screen will go black. when the screen Oh, can you goes... hear me now? Yes, yeah. Okay, okay. I, did, I figured out. Yeah, I have to just unlock my phone there. Yeah, okay, yeah. It usually doesn't okay. happen on Android, actually. It only ha- I've only ever had it happen on Apple, so. Okay, I'll be sure to make sure the screen stays on here. We're just we're just having a fun time here. <laughs> yeah, figuring out. Sorry, what was the question? The top three uh, walkout songs for myself or other fighters? Songs. Yeah, top three walkout songs for myself or for other fighters? For yourself. For myself, okay. I've been criticized in the past by a lot of people saying that my walkout songs suck and they don't get people hyped up or they don't like it, whatever the case is. Uh, but my top three for myself, I gotta say, 
Number one is my last one that I went with is uh, just an instrumental song called uh, Cushy by the artist was Twist. Uh, but if I have to pick other ones, I would say, and that's a good question. You got me on this one. I'm going to go with Kendrick Lamar, Humble, and I'll also go with, Damn, this one's I never put too much thought about this one. I'm gonna go with Mac the Miller, Mac Miller, fight the feeling, because I also walked out to that one once. Okay. I like it. I like it. Now, I wanna know your very beginning into martial arts. How did you first get started into martial arts? I remember I was graduating high school, going into university, and just near the end of my um you know, you know, when I was leaving high school, I don't know what it was, but I was just growing up as a person and I was really frustrated with myself mainly but i was really frustrated with what i was seeing in just society just the people who i had um just who i was going to school with how people carry themselves i was just sick of it and i just again i think it came down to just me being sick of myself so when i went away to university i really wanted to change myself in some way and at the time i was lifting weights but i knew i was like this is not reflective of how intense i am as a person with me lifting weights. So when I went to university, I, I told myself, I was like, you know what, there's going to be a time where we're going to reunite with our friends from high school and things like that. And when I go back there, I want to make sure that I'm a completely different person. So I started training martial arts. As soon as I went to school in uh, 2014, my post-secondary education, I started training and it just took off from there. I took my first few classes and I was like, Oh yeah, this is definitely what I'm going to go with. And I just never looked back. Wow. What did you start in? I started with generally, I joined an MMA gym called, uh, it was called Powerhouse MMA and Fitness, and they had a variety of classes, but it was mainly a kickboxing wrestling gym. I would say that was what I focused on most was kickboxing and wrestling. Wow. Now, I have to know, I know you mentioned you lifted weights. Were you an athlete before you kind of jumped into to the MMA slash kickboxing scene? Absolutely. Yeah. Even growing up, I was always, I find I was very gifted physically like any sport that i would try i would pick up on it pretty quickly i had a good uh i was able to control my body in many different positions so yeah i was always a sports guy growing up i played i played i played hockey quite a bit i just played other sports throughout high school and then yeah i started lifting weights in high school as well and then when i graduated high school i was like yeah i'm gonna start martial arts now was there a particular sport that you played or did that you think um best translated to martial arts um, the only one I could say would probably just be hockey, just because that's the one I, I went uh, the furthest with. I didn't go far by any means. I only played single leg. Oh, you're gone again. Sorry, can you hear me there? Yeah. yeah, yeah. My bad, it happened again. <laughs> Sorry, what was the last thing you heard there? Uh, single leg. You just played single leg. Yeah, no, I just played single leg, so I was always known as like just a, kind of the goal scorer. Um, so I didn't play a very high level, but even when I was playing, I always liked to um, be quite physical. I would always take a lot of run at, runs at guys, try to hit a lot, you know, things like that. So I would say hockey translated most into my martial arts career. Okay. Now, take me through your journey of of kind of how you became now a professional, right? From From the very first class at Powerhouse MMA. So after I took that first few classes at Powerhouse MMA, I was all, I, I knew right away. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is I was I, it was so easy for, for me to flip that switch and go, oh, yeah, this is my whole identity now. This is what I'm going to put everything into. Um, I had a few amateur fights pretty much with only like a couple months of training in. Um, I was I was losing. I only had a, I had a record of two and two at the time when I first started with MMA. And I realized, I'm like, wow, I'm like, this sport is fucking dangerous. I'm like, I'm going into mixed martial arts and I don't even know the martial arts. So after I took a couple losses in MMA, I had two, I was two and two, I had two wins, two losses. But even with my wins, I was like, wow, it's fucking dangerous in here. I don't even know, I don't even know what I'm doing. So I took it upon myself to actually study the individual martial arts. So I ended up joining a jiu-jitsu gym that was just strictly jiu-jitsu. They weren't MMA or anything like that. I also joined a boxing gym that was strictly boxing. And then I also joined a Muay Thai gym as well, where all they did was Muay Thai. And each one of those uh, martial arts, I took the time to make sure that I only trained in that uh, discipline or I was only training in one or two disciplines and I would compete in them. So I started with Powerhouse MMA and Fitness, had a few MMA fights, started losing. And then that gym unfortunately shut down, but it worked in my favor because that's when I started to um, I started to box. And I was just doing strictly boxing and I was competing in that. 
again, I got a two and two record in boxing. And at the same time that I was boxing, I was also a part of a jiu-jitsu gym. And I was doing some tournaments here and there, won a few matches, lost a few matches, whatever. Uh, and that was when I was at university. So out of the eight months when I was in university, I was pretty much boxing and doing jiu-jitsu. And then in the summer, when I'd go back to my hometown in Ajax, I would do a little bit more uh, Muay Thai and things like that and join that gym. So every martial art that I did, I wanted to make sure that I was just going to dip my toes a little bit. So when I was competing in boxing, I was trying to be the best boxer I could be at the time. But I always had in the back of my mind that, yeah, I'm doing this so it can translate to MMA. So I would always kind of move almost like an MMA fighter would or kind of think of scenarios that would work in MMA, even though I was just studying that discipline. And I was able to realize, okay, there's certain aspects in boxing here that will translate over. This aspect wouldn't. Same thing with jiu-jitsu. I'm like, okay, this stuff would work. This stuff is kind of useless. And same thing with Muay Thai. I'm like, okay, maybe this stance isn't too optimal. Maybe this one is. And so started boxing, doing jiu-jitsu. Did, uh, and then I finished off my amateur career with uh, some Muay Thai fights. I was doing pretty well. Ended up with a 5-1 record in Muay Thai. And then shortly after that, I was like, okay, I, I've, you know, I've dipped my toes in the martial arts a little bit. Shit, I think I, you lost me there. Nope, still here. Okay. And then, um, yeah, after I did the Muay Thai, I was like, okay, now it's time to get back into MMA. The pandemic hit at the time, so I wasn't able to compete or do anything like that, but I was still training in all the disciplines. So once the pandemic was over, I immediately uh, tried to get my license going so I could start my professional career. Wow. Now I'm going to put you on the hot seat here. Besides MMA, what's your favorite individual discipline? My favorite individual discipline, I would have to say, is wrestling, just because I love a challenge, and wrestling is the most physically challenging martial art there is, and it's also the most useful in a mixed martial arts fight. So I think the, the one I like training most is wrestling because it really it just takes it takes you know a lot of grit to get on the mats and wrestle. It takes a lot of heart to do it. And like I said, it just translates the best over to mixed martial arts. So I think that's my favorite. Now, you talked about competing in, in all of the other disciplines, but you didn't bring up wrestling. Were you ever able to compete in wrestling? No, I was never able to compete in wrestling. I could have joined a tournament for sure if I wanted to, but I was mainly just doing uh, jiu-jitsu tournaments. But I would approach them from like a wrestler's stance. You know what I mean? I would never try to play the guard game. I would always try to get the takedown, uh, heavy top pressure and things like that. So... I never got to compete in wrestling, but I would always compete against guys that were doing jits. And I was just trying to be like almost like a wrestler, um, kind of a wrestler style when I was in those jiu-jitsu tournaments. Yes. Wow. So in total now, how long have you been doing martial arts? So my first fight was I started training September 2014, had my first fight in November 2014. So I only had a couple months training. So since September 2014, uh, that's when I first started. So yeah, it's been about almost 10 years now. Wow. Wow. Now you talked about the two losses on your amateur MMA record. Did those losses open your eyes to maybe you need to focus more on different training? Oh, hundred percent. Definitely. Especially my last one. The, the last amateur loss that I took as a mixed martial artist was against Tony Laramie. And at the time he had him and his brother had a lot of, uh, hype around them and still do because they're you know they're great martial artists but at the time I was such an amateur and I knew they offered me Tony Laramie and I knew that it was such a mismatch but I took the fight anyways and I kind of felt like I went in there already mentally beaten like I already went in there already self-defeated and so I think it was good for me to experience that because once I experienced that side of the sport I think I'm in a position now today where I know what it's like to be like no no I'm the fucking man I don't have to experience those emotions anymore ever and I just know how to conquer it a little bit. So I think by having to go through that, it helped me be helped me develop a better mindset today where I'm like, no, I'm the fucking man. I can do this, you know? Yeah, I get I get you. I get you. Now, where are the gyms that you train at today? Right now I'm training out of Ajax MMA. And that's that's my hometown is Ajax, Ontario. So I'm training out of Ajax Mixed Martial Arts. And I usually use that I use that gym for mostly striking. There's a few guys that I do some grappling with but it's mainly a striking gym for Muay Thai. And I also do a lot of boxing as well with my coach. And then I do pretty much all of my um, jiu-jitsu and wrestling training at 10th Planet in Etobicoke. They have a wrestling and jiu-jitsu class that I try to get out there as much as I can. And so those are the two gyms that I'm at right now. Wow. Now they're quite, they're quite far apart there. How do you schedule your week? So it actually kind of works out because they are quite far apart. So 10th Planet Etobicoke is actually right beside my workplace. So sometimes I'll be able to set up shifts where 
I just did it today. Today I had a short shift of 7 a.m. to 11 a.m. for work. And uh, it just happens happens that uh, 10th Planet has a jiu-jitsu class at 11 a.m. on Sundays. So I was able to go to work from 7 a.m. to 11 a.m. this morning. And then right after work, I go straight to the gym. So it kind of works out that way. But other than that, some yeah, sometimes on my days off, um, the Tuesday, Thursday is the resting at gym class in the afternoon that I like to go to. Uh, and I'll just have to make that commute going out there because in my mind, it, it like I'm going out there four times a week for work, which is not my end goal. It's not my dream. So how can I justify going out to Etobicoke four times a week for something that I don't want to do? And then when I have a day off, when I want to do what I actually want to do, of course, I'm going to make that commute, that same commute and go out there because that's what I actually want to do with my life. So I have no problem making that commute on those days, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Do you think that's the hub of grappling in Ontario? What's that, 10th Planet or? 10th Planet of Tobacco, yeah. Is the hub of grappling? I wouldn't say so. No, the fact that it's uh, the fact that it's a 10th Planet gym and we have a legitimate black belt, a super high level black belt in Micah Breakfield as the coach, uh, that kind of brings a lot of attention to to uh, to our gym for sure. I wouldn't say it's the hub though. There's many there's many areas to grapple. There's many different gyms out there that are doing uh, some good things too. So explain to me why you chose. 10th point at Tobacco rather than some of these other gyms? Uh, so again, when I started, like, so when I was started, when I started my job out in Etobicoke, I actually met a, uh, one of my coworkers who owned a gym right beside the jail. And at the time it wasn't 10th Planet. It was just called Etobicoke Martial Arts. Like it was just, uh, it was a Muay Thai gym with a jiu-jitsu program as well. And he was like, Hey, you know, like we work together, like you're a martial artist, like come train, whatever. I'll give you a discount. And I was like, yeah, perfect. That sounds good to me. And then sure enough, a few late, a few years later, after me starting the job and be training at Etobicoke Martial Arts, um, the owner, the guy that I work with, came to me and said, hey, you know what? We're getting a 10th planet here. I'm bringing a guy out from from BC, Michael Breakfield, yada, yada, yada. And I was like, wow, this is, this is perfect. You know, like I was already coming out here for work and I was already coming out here to train with you because you're giving me a spot. But now they're actually getting a 10th planet guy. And I've always actually wanted to train under that kind of style of jiu-jitsu because it was more geared towards MMA anyways. So it just kind of worked out pretty perfectly for me. That's awesome. It was kind of really incredible the way that it just developed basically into your hands. Yeah, it was meant to be, you know, just that's what happens. Like you follow your crack, you follow your heart and these, these kind of things open up for you. So for me, it was a no brainer. I'm like, yeah, this feels like the right fit for me. Now I've seen both your fights here and I'm so curious in your words, how would you describe your fighting style? I would describe my fighting style as a little unorthodox and just a little aggressive. You know, I, I really, I don't know. I really just try to put it on guys right from the beginning because I find that's often by me putting pressure on guys, I actually feel like it gives me chances to um, not necessarily rest, but kind of ease off the brakes sometimes when it doesn't look like I am. So it's just a little game of deception that I like to deception that I like to play with these guys where it looks like I'm putting pressure on them, but really I'm like, no, no, I'm actually kind of taking a breather right now. But from the pace that I'm, the way that I'm moving and the body language that I'm showing you, it makes it seem like I'm ready to strike you, which I am, but I'm not think I'm not, I'm not going to, you know? So I just think it's a little unorthodox and I would just say it's pretty, uh, pretty aggressive. I would say. Now, do you have anybody, any fighters that you kind of model your style after? No, there's certain sequences or certain situations I'll be in where I'll try to emulate certain fighters. But up and before that, I just try to be the best version of myself until then. Like, I don't go into a fight thinking, oh, I'm only going to wrestle. I'm only going to strike. If we're in a striking sequence and if it calls for it, I'll maybe try to emulate certain kind of fighters. And then once I start grappling, depending on the situation that I'm in, I'd be like, yeah, you know, I should emulate this kind of fighter. What, what, what would he do in this position and things like that? So it just depends on the situation. You know, I try to like one round, I'll be a striker. The next round, I'll be a wrestler, you know, one, one round, I'll try to box like Holloway or Nick Diaz. And then the next round, I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to compete this guy, you know, just control him and man some good shots. Yes. Yes. And you just spoke about some, some wonderful names of the sport of MMA here. Who are some guys that you kind of grew up watching? Uh, George St. Pierre, obviously he was like the Canadian icon. You know what I mean? He was doing great things. Uh, when I was just watching the sport. And what actually got me really interested in the sport as well was uh, was also around the time when GSP was fighting uh, Johnny Hendricks, I was starting to get interested in it. But I really got into mixed martial arts 
uh, once Conor McGregor came onto the scene, actually. And he when he was fighting uh, Diego Brandao, and I think it was around the time he was fighting uh, Seaver as well, I was really getting into the sport at that time. And so he made me really interested in, in it as well. Wow. Now, you talked about Conor. I'm curious, kind of, on your opinion on, on Conor and what he's done for the landscape of MMA. I think it's great. I, you know, no, I don't think any fighter can deny how awesome he's been for the sport, just the amount of attention it's gone, how much more mainstream it is nowadays. As far as what he does in his own personal life, like like whatever, but as far and as far as a martial artist too, I just think he's fucking fantastic. Like his boxing is so crisp. Obviously his and his grappling's not horrible either. People rip on his grappling. Obviously his wrestling could be a bit stronger, I would say. But overall he's a great martial artist and I think his striking is absolutely fantastic. I love what he's done for the sport. I love how much attention he brings. Um, and he's being himself too. That's the thing. A lot of guys will talk shit and you could just tell that it's not really genuine, but the kind of shit he says, you could tell like he just, he actually feels that and he, and he would like, he would just say it. It's not like a, it's not like a, some sort of show he's putting on. It is a show he's putting on, but it's not something ingenuine. It's something that he would actually say. So I really appreciate that part about him. Yeah. And you spoke about Connor and kind of the trash talk. Um, I've never known you to be somebody who's a trash talker, but talk me a little bit through your thoughts on trash talking, you know, before, during, and after a fight. I have so much respect for my opponents going into it, so I don't feel like trash talking them. I really don't. I have another guy in front of me who's giving me purpose, giving me a place to display my my craft, who's giving me a reason to be. So how can I, and he's chasing the same goal I am, so how can I disrespect this guy and talk shit? I really, I don't want to. But at the same time, I'm so down for it, too. If he wants to be like that and he wants to be disrespectful, then I'm like, okay, let's go. Like, fuck you. I'll talk some shit, too. But at the end, in my in my mind, it's all love. No matter what I say, it's a like I could talk the most amount of shit about a guy, but it's all love. I'll still be like, no, this guy's still fucking this guy's a G man. This guy's he's doing his thing. He's a mixed martial artist. How can I not respect him? You know what I mean? He's giving me an opportunity to to compete, to a reason to a reason to, you know, compete and go on and show my craft. So I don't necessarily would like to talk shit about my opponents, but I'm so down for it if they want to. I don't mind that at all. Like, if they want to talk a little shit, let's go. I'll talk some shit, too. Now, do you think that would change when it comes to building up a fight? Maybe if you get a percentage of ticket sales or you get a percentage of pay-per-view buys, do you think a little bit of that trash talk um, would come out of you if there's a bit more money incentive? Fuck yeah, I think so. Absolutely. I've thought about that, too, before. People are like, oh, you got to... And I'm not too active on social media either. People are like, oh, you need to post more. And they're like, oh, you need to talk more shit to your opponents. And I thought about that. I'm like, yeah, there's going to be a time where I'm definitely going to talk some shit in order just to get a little more interest in this in this fight. And I'm I'm going to talk some shit in a way where I don't feel like I've crossed any, any lines or anything personal. But I want to say some funny shit that's just going to get this guy a little bit rattled. You know, and people want to see emotion. They want to see people get angry um they want to see that kind of stuff and if that's what they want to see and if that's what's going to sell i'm yeah for sure I'll, I'll probably talk a little more shit when when the time is right you know i love it for sure now you talked about crossing lines i mean that kind of brings the question what is crossing a line like what what's the line for you is it family is it personal is it what is what's the line I think, yeah, I think most people have a general understanding of what the line is. I don't think a lot of people have to be told or has to be said, but just the things that you mentioned, like, I don't, I don't feel like I'd ever make fun of someone's uh, family. I would never mention anything personal with their family. I would never mention anything about their religion their, uh, or their upbringing or anything like that, really. I would really just try to, you know, just say some funny shit that's more of just like a metaphorical middle finger to him and just like, I don't know, talk shit. But maybe he had a bad fight before. I talked shit about that. Or maybe I think his style sucks. I'd let him know. Maybe I think I'm going to whoop his ass here. I'd tell him. Right. But I just wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't bring up family members, wouldn't bring up religion, wouldn't bring up any of that kind of stuff. And if they were to do that to me, I would just kind of keep it. I would think at least I've never been in that position, but I think I'd be able to keep it pretty cool and just be like, okay, this guy's obviously a clown who doesn't know how to act like a normal human being. So I'm not going to stoop to his level and be an idiot as well. I'm just going to let him make a fool of himself. Yeah, it almost degrades the person doing that a little bit. Yeah, it almost, it almost like when you, because when you respond to it, you kind of, well, it's like, okay, well, you're both idiots. You know what I mean? Whereas only one person's kind of saying that personal shit, it makes the other person look that much more foolish. So I'm just, I feel like that's how I'd respond to it, but I can't necessarily say until it happens, but... I feel like that's the route that I would take where I'd just be like, okay, you want to talk your shit? That's fine. I'll just, you know, whatever. 
Yes. Now let's get back to fighting here. You're two and zero as a pro, right? When's your next fight? Our next fight, they were offering me a few guys. I was trying to fight in like Texas in a couple weeks, and that fell through. The guy, uh, the guy didn't want to take the fight. I was also trying to aim for another individual that I thought would be a fun fight at the end of October for Unified, but that looks like it. That looks like at this point that it's falling through. So I think my next one might be either late November, early December. And there's a few options that we're looking at, but I think I'm pretty confident that they're going to go through. So it looks like I'm going to be fighting around December. Okay. So definitely before the end of the year. Absolutely. Yeah. I definitely would love to get one in before the end of the year. And I'm confident that it'll happen. Mm. Let's talk a little bit about activity. I mean, obviously uh, no injuries. Let's, let's keep that in mind, right? How often and how active do you want to fight? Ideally, I would like to fight three or four times a year. I think that's a. I think that's pretty. Uh, I think that's pretty active for for a fighter. One or two times isn't enough. Three is good. Four is 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 amazing. Because if I'm fighting four times a year, that means that I'm generally getting out of the fights unscathed. Because I'm the kind of person where if I took some damage in a fight, I have no problem taking a few months off and going like, yeah, no, health health is number one. Health comes first. I don't give a fuck what any promoter wants or what anybody wants really. I'm I'm running the show. So if I feel like taking a couple months off, I'll take a couple months off. Uh, so four times a year for me would be perfect. I think that'd be, you know, that's just the ball, the, the ball would just constantly be rolling. I'd always be training, always looking forward to something else. So three to four times a year would be perfect for me. And now let's talk a bit about fight camp here. What do your fight camps look like? I mean, are you somebody who cuts a lot of weight? Do you have to set aside, you know, specific maybe one, two, or I've even heard some fighters take three weeks to really diet down to that fight camp. What's the fight camp look like in, in your eyes for you? The fight camp for me doesn't really, honestly, it doesn't really change much. I like to always train hard, always. I can't, I can't go to the gym. I have no chill button. I have to go to the gym and spaz out every time. I can't, you know what I mean? So when it's closer to a fight time, it, the intensity is always there. It's always there. I may work on certain positions or do certain things and maybe up the uh, the time limit for the rounds a little bit and things like that. So there's a little things that will be different. But generally speaking, it's kind of the same. As far as my diet goes, yeah, I'll just start trying to eat a little bit less because after my first weight cut back in, uh, it was July 2022, my first legitimate weight cut's at 35. I feel like I traumatized my body now to the point where afterwards now when I do these cuts, my body just holds on to everything and it just craves so much food. And so I was like, holy shit, this is pretty this is pretty rough on the body. So yeah, I do cut not a, a whole ton of weight. Actually, no, you could argue that it's a good amount of weight. Cause I usually walk around about 160, even sometimes 165. Uh, so I do cut a little bit of weight and yeah, about six weeks out, I'll just start to, I'll just start to eat a little bit less. I won't necessarily have to cut out too much. I'll just continue with my intensity as usual, but I'll just won't snack as much or i'll just be a little bit more mindful about my portions and things like that so not much changes you know a lot of the weight most of the weight comes off in the last 10 days or so especially in the last couple days as well so i don't have to worry about that too much now before 35 did you fight at 145 i fought at 145 as an amateur yes the lowest i made as an amateur actually with my fight with tony lamy was a catch weight of 140 so i made 140 before uh, going pro but yeah, my other fights uh, as an amateur were at 145. And then when I was fighting um, in Muay Thai, I was fighting at 147. Wow. So that actually is quite a bit of difference there. Are you doing a heavy water cut? Oh, yeah. I was doing, oh, yeah. Heavy water water cut for sure. This last one, I was actually concerned because I've only done it twice now, right? So I'm still relatively new to it. But this last one that I had back in June, I was actually a little bit concerned. I was like, fuck, I might miss weight here. I'm like, this is ridiculous. I woke up. Like weigh-ins were Friday afternoon. I woke up Friday morning at 146. And so I'm like, holy fuck, I have 11 pounds to go here to make this weight. Um, but I got it done in like two hours, two and a half hours. You know, I had my team, my a couple teammates with me that were helping me out. And I was able to cut 11 pounds in like two hours, two and a half hours, something like that. And it was hell. It was, it was shitty, but I, I got it done. So I was like, damn, that's, you know. And I, I was just changing up the schedule a little bit for the water loading and things like that. I'm still playing around with it and finding the optimal way to do it. And the last time I did it, I was able to rehydrate a lot better. I felt a lot better going in there as opposed to my one in July 2022. So, yeah, I was I was concerned on the last one. I was like, I was like fuck, I might miss weight here. I'm like, this is going to be so embarrassing. This is going to suck. Uh, and I had that thought for a moment, but I was able to get the job done. I actually came in underweight. I came in at 134.4. Wow. 
So who do you have guiding you and kind of showing you the ropes uh, in terms of, of everything? Do you have a mentor? Is it just teammates, strength and conditioning coach? Who, who's guiding you and helping you with all this stuff? Uh, generally, I like to take a little bit of information from many different people, but I'll never follow just one person for everything. You know, I kind of, at the end of the day, I look at myself as the main character in the movie. I'm the captain of the ship. I'm like, what I say goes. So there's definitely some, and but it takes a village to do this, right? And I've, I'm fully aware of that. So I'll take little snippets of information and guidance from some people, um, but not not fully, not completely. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, I still, I take it with a grain of salt and there's some things that I'll look to them for guidance. But for the most part, it's, I put a lot of it kind of on me. As far as the nutrition part goes, uh, I once hired a nutritionist just to not necessarily help me, help me with my nutrition, but I just wanted to explain the wake up process, like the week of, I had no idea how to do that properly. So I looked to him for guidance, but as far as guidance, like in like my journey going forward, I kind of look at myself like, no, no, you need to be, you're the captain. You need to look to yourself. Don't look to other people. Cause I'm like, what if that person, God forbid, but what if that person is not in your circle anymore? Cause they're not able to, or whatever they they move or like whatever you know what i mean like what are you going to be screwed so i always like to think to myself that i'm going to be good no matter what happens no matter where i go because i will I'll always have myself i'll always have my own back and that's what i i'll have to rely on people absolutely but when there's a will there's a way and wherever i go whoever falls in my circle i'll be able to you know i'll be able to ride with them and, and bring this as far as i can mm-hmm. I'm kind of I'm kind of questioning if I'm going to say this, but I'm just going to say it and we'll see where it goes. Who's in your circle now? I mean, who who are the people that you would consider Titan to be in your circle? Oh, of course, they're just just my coaches that have been with me for a long time. So just off the top of my head, I have this guy. We call him Crew Fresh, but his name is Alton Douglas. He's uh he's an amazing guy. He's helped me quite a bit. He's I like he's guided me and helped me quite a bit. He's one of my coaches, one of my striking coaches. I have uh, Andrew Cummins, Andrew Cummins, Andrew, the general Cummins, we call him. Um, he's a great guy as well. He really helps with the uh, mental side of things as well as the physical part. Um, we kind of share some of the same mentality going into a fight and he kind of helps bring out that aggressive side of me. My, Michael Breakfield is my jiu-jitsu and wrestling coach. He's been a huge help. I've learned so much from him. Like my wrestling and jiu-jitsu game has improved so much just from observing what he does and the stuff kind of stuff that he teaches uh and yeah just that's pretty much who's in my circle now i have i have a good amount of training partners as well that i rely on for training on a regular basis and yeah that's kind of the people who are in my circle now i like to keep my circle small you know what i mean i'm always willing to train with new people and things like that but i generally i'm like no no on a general generally speaking i generally speak be like okay no new friends i have my circle i know i can see like i feel like i can read people pretty quickly and see what kind of intentions they have and the people that I feel like are having pure intentions, pure intentions with me, and what, and they just want to see me do well. Those are the people that I that I want to stick with. Mm, I got you. Now, in terms of management and uh, agents and stuff like that, do you have anybody like that? Yeah. So right now, I have a manager. His name is John Morish, and we actually met back in um, I think it was might have been 2015 or 2016 when I was boxing. I was in school. Uh, we were at the same boxing gym for a while and we just, we never really spoke much. We never really trained together, but we would see each other in class and things like that. So John actually approached me, I think it was early 2022 or around, um, I think it was probably around April, 2022. He approached me saying, Hey, I'm getting uh, my management license. And he's like, I don't know if you remember me, but we trained at the same boxing gym. He's like, I always liked the way you carried yourself. You're always in shape, always ready to go. Um, I'm looking to get into management. Has anyone approached you about this? And at the time, I was like, no, no one's approached me for being my manager. I was thinking about going pro soon. And so it just kind of worked out that um, that John's my manager now. And he, and again, he's another guy that I like the fact that he just started out with me. Like he wasn't someone who was already in the game doing it for a long time. I don't know why, but I just kind of like that aspect where I was like, okay, you're just giving this a go. I'm giving this a go. We knew each other from the boxing gym. Let's Let's see how it goes, you know? Yes. And now there was, uh, you know, a few fighters that had recent comments about management in terms of taking a certain percent of purse and, and win bonus and stuff like that. I mean, obviously, you're in a tough predicament to, to speak anything negative, but what are the positives and, the, and negatives of having a manager? Uh, right now, the, I'll, I'll, I'll start with the negatives, which I'll explain in a little bit that isn't really too much of a negative, but the only negative is that they take 10%. And the fact that 
they're doing a lot of administrative work on the side, taking no head damage, but they're getting a piece of the puzzle, which or a piece of the pie, which now I'm seeing how useful John has been and how helpful he's been. I'm more than willing. I'm so happy that he's a part of my team and that he's and that he's taking ten percent. I'm more. I'm so happy with that. I don't know if he wants me to disclose that to other people, whatever, for other fighters, but that's essentially the deal deal that we that we've worked out, and it's so worth it. So the only downfall I would say is is that part is that. You have to pay him, but it's not that much of a downfall because he helps with so much. So it's so worth it, you know? So that's the only con that I would say. Um, uh, the pros of it, obviously, is that he just handles a lot of the talking and shit like that with people that I don't want to talk to. Like a lot of promoters um, and just mainly the promoters, really, because when you're trying to set up these fights, you have to work out the deal and you want to hit them up and they want to talk and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, I don't want to talk to all you guys at all. So it's good that I could just go to John and he can go out there and find the right matchups, talk to the promoters, get the best deal and work out all that kind of stuff. He kind of, he helps with like the fight banner, my teachers, the sponsors, um, all that kind of stuff. It, it's a big help. So there's really not many cons that I could really say. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart, I think it's been, it's been fucking great. Having John on board has been amazing. So. Now, I'm curious, you know, now that you are a pro, if maybe there's some aspiring amateurs that are looking to turn pro, is that something that you'd recommend to them is go out and get yourself a trustworthy manager? I would say so for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, just try to find someone that's going to be genuine and just wants to do good work. And that's what I felt with, with John, that he was just a guy who just was passionate about the sport and he just wants to do genuine good work. So I'm like, yeah, okay, that'll be that's a great fit for me. That's, so, yeah, I would recommend that people go out and, and get a manager that they feel that they can trust and is going to guide them in the right way. But I also want to, like, also advocate to the fighters as well that don't forget that you're the you're the star of the show, you know what I mean, no matter what. Even if you're off a loss or you're anything like that, at the end of the day, you have to feel comfortable with the decisions that are being made. So sometimes my coaches and even my manager want me to go a certain route, and if I don't feel comfortable with it, I'm like, nope, I'm not going, I'm not doing that. And I always just, so I always just try to tell, I'll, I would tell fighters that, yeah, get a manager, but also just remember that you're, you're the star of the show. You're the, you're the captain of the ship. So you're, you know, you get the last say. Yes. Yes. Now I want to talk a little bit about your last win here. A very impressive win at Durham fight series. Walk me through, you know, the fight prep. Did you do anything different? The weight cut and obviously the fight and day of, and maybe even talk a little bit on the press conference as well. Uh, yeah, no, that was a great experience. Honestly, the guy I fought was not very high level. He was like, he was not very high level at all, but I did not know that going in there. I had no idea what I was getting into. And you never know at this level, like you never really know what kind of fighter you're getting in there with. It could be someone who's absolutely amazing in the next big thing, or it could be someone who's a complete fucking can and has no business being in there. So I went in that fight uh, pretty nervous. Cause I was like, I don't know what the hell I'm getting into. Um, I was with a promotion that was doing their first show. So I was like, and I had a, I had a couple people or not a couple people, but I had uh, one dude pull out of a fight two times on me before that. So in the back of my mind, I was like, is this guy even going to show up and things like that? So I was nervous for going in as always, but I knew that I could, uh, I could calm myself down when the time came again, he wasn't a very high level guy. So I was able to make a highlight out of him and do a couple suplexes, get a good Kimura finish on him. And it just felt like it just I was so grateful for the experience. It just felt like an absolute gift from the universe. That's the only way I can describe it. Uh, the weight cut was shitty as always. Like I said, it was my second time doing it. And I went into it thinking, fuck, I might miss weight. Like I actually had that kind of thought. Like I was a little bit nervous for that. But I was able to make the weight. I came in underweight, which was which was always good. Um, yeah, nothing else. And the fight camp, like I said, was, was the same as always. I was always tra- I'm always training hard. You know, even when fight camp comes around, I'm like, I'm still going intense as always. I might just make the rounds a little bit longer or something. You know, that's pretty much it. But it was good. Yeah, the preparation was amazing. I felt really good going in there. The weight cut uh, was shitty as always, but I made the weight. I was able to rehydrate a lot better this time, which I was happy with. I'm just getting a little bit smarter with it and just learning to listen to my body a little bit more. And yeah, when the fight happened, I went in there. uh, And again, I wasn't sure what kind of fighter I was getting in there with. I wasn't sure what his skill level was like. But as soon as we, um, you know, as soon as we got into the grappling exchanges, it wasn't too long before I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get you here. Like, I'm going to fuck you up. So it was good. It was a very good experience for me. It was a good confidence booster, a good experience overall. Very, very fun. And now for the press conference. Was that the first time that you did a live press conference? Yeah, it was. Yeah, that was an interesting part. I felt like skipping it. 
I felt like skipping it. I'm like, fuck this. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to almost kill myself making weight. And you guys want me to stick around for a press conference. I was actually a little upset about that. I was like, fuck that. I was like, I'm not doing this. Uh, but then I kind of was like, no, it's, it's not, I'm like, I shouldn't be so angry about it. It's an opportunity to like talk and like, this is a part of the game now. You know, there's, this is, this is going to happen in the future, especially if I make it to the big leagues, like there's going to be press conferences, there's going to be things like that. So my initial reaction was like, no, fuck that. Cause I'm again, I'm not someone who's necessarily too keen on being in front of a camera and things like that, but this is something that I have to get used to. It's a part of the game. Right. So I looked at it from that angle, like, you know what, it's a good opportunity to practice being in front of the microphone, having a camera on you, talking to your opponent, whatever the case is. So, it was fun. Like I said, I was bitter about it at first, but I quickly realized, I'm like, no, this is a huge blessing. What am I talking about? Like, stop being an idiot, you know? So I just embraced it, had a good time with it. We didn't talk any shit. We just had a good stare down, and that was it, you know? Now, did he did he speak English, or was there a bit of a language barrier there? He spoke very little English. He was from Mexico, so his, like, his first language is Spanish, and he spoke very little English. And I speak English, obviously, but I speak very little Spanish. So we were having like these half-assed conversations with each other. I was trying to, I was saying a few things in, to him in Spanish. He was saying to a few things to me in English and it was all, it was all respect. So it was good. Now, my favorite part, let's talk about your future. What goals have you set out for yourself? The goals I've set out for myself, I really just want to take this as far as I can. And I'd like to compete with the best in the world. I know I'm at a point now where I have a long way to go. But I'm fully confident in myself that when I will get to a point where I'm going to be world class and I and I want to compete against world class athletes, and I understand that I'm the t I'm very capable of actually winning a world title, whether it be UFC, Bellator, one doesn't matter what promotion it is. I'm so capable of winning a world championship, um, and I'm just I'm just excited. I'm just looking forward to it. I like I said, I'm in a position now where I think the biggest part that I need to work on is just the mental aspect of the sport because it comes in waves. There's some days where I feel like I'm on top of the fucking world and I'm like, yo, put anyone in front of me and I'll kill them right now. And then in that same day, though, I'll have moments where I'm like, well, fuck, I ain't shit. I still, you know, I don't have the best grappling. I don't have the best striking. And this guy's so good and all this different kind of stuff. So it kind of comes in waves. But the longer I go, I feel like I'm really tackling the mental side of things better. And I'm having more moments now where I'm like, no, I'm the fucking man. I'm the fucking man and I can do this. And I know that I'm going to compete against world-class athletes as my, uh, as my uh, career continues. So that's my goal, essentially, is just to win a world title. UFC would be ideal, but I'm open to other promotions as well because I understand that UFC, although it's right now it's the number one promotion, still in like PFL and One and Bellator and things like that, they have world-class athletes as well. They have athletes that could beat UFC fighters today, you know? So as long as I'm competing against the best of the best, that's my, that's my goal. I just want to show everyone that, yeah, I'm one of these world-class athletes and yeah, I'd like to win a world title. That would be fantastic. I'd like to win it, defend it like five or six times, maybe move up a weight class fight at 45 a bit. And then after that, I'd like to uh, maybe reflect on my career maybe be like, okay, is it time to hang it up? Is it time to keep going? What am I going to do from here? But that's ideally, that's what I'd like to do. I'd, my goal is to win a world title, defend it like five or six times, move up, Trying to make another run at the title in, in a different weight class, and then and then see what goes, see what happens from there. Wow! No, I love that. Now I got a couple quick uh, quick questions here for you because you did fight uh, lots. I mean, quite a bit in in Muay Thai here. Do you think for amateur Muay Thai, the fighters, the competitors, should be wearing shin guards? At the amateur level, um. Yeah, why not? Because it's freaking amateur. Like, you're already wearing headgear. Um, You know what I mean? Like, yeah, why not throw in the shin guards? It'd be, like, I, what I like to do is just is spar, like, bare shin with some guys at my gym. And what I'll do is I'll throw kicks knowing that they're going to check it, but I'll just try to kick through it. Or I'll just try to see what it feels like to, you know what I mean? Kick on, on someone's bare shin like that. That way, when it happens in a real fight, I'm like, no, no, I've been here before. And, and I'm good, you know? So as far as an amateur goes, should they wear shin pads? Yeah, I'm, I'm, the way I see it, yeah, why not? I'm like, you have people in there who, some of them, they're going to end up being professional and go really far, but then there's other people competing as amateur who have no fucking business being in there and they're not taking it seriously at all, which they should. And you're already, already wearing headgear and it's an amateur thing. No one's getting money for it. So yeah, throw in the shin pads, why not, you know? And would that be the same thing with elbow pads? Yeah, same same idea. Yeah, if it's amateur, it's amateur. But once you're in the real deal and you're a professional, take all that shit off. Take the fucking elbow pads, headgear, shin guards off. Just, you know, 
Um, yeah, that's what I think. As an amateur, who cares? Put all the fucking gear on. Doesn't matter. But once it's pro, yeah, they should obviously take it all off, which everyone does. And now my question to you is, is when do you think a fighter should turn pro? When they feel they when they feel they should be, you know, that's, that's pretty much it. Cause someone could have all the skills in the world, but if they aren't mentally there as a professional, they shouldn't be pro, you know? So actually, but that kind of goes, um, I might actually retract that because I've had guys who are mentally professional, but physically they're absolute cans and they should not be in a pro fight at all, but they have that mentality that they are. So that's a good question. When should a fighter go pro? Again, I think it takes both. You like you you need to have the mental side of things down. You need to know you need to recognize yourself as a legitimate professional and someone who can make uh who's someone who could do some damage in their career. But you also need to have the skills to go with it. You should have some amateur wins under your belt. You should be doing pretty well against people in your regional scene. You know, so if you have those two things down pat, if you're doing well in your craft and you're doing well in the regional scene as an amateur, and you also have that mental aspect where you're like you have that kind of belief in yourself, then you should go pro. Do you think the coaches um, have or should have a big influence on that? I They should. Yeah, there's some coaches who should definitely hold back some fighters. Um, they should definitely be like, yeah, you should not go pro. We're going to make you compete amateur a lot more. So, yeah, for sure, coaches should have a little more say in that respect. Uh, but if a fighter, again, what you can't tell people shit nowadays, though. Like some people, you just can't tell them, tell them anything, which is, which is okay. That's the way they are. But if... You know, if you're not ready for something, you know, this this life will teach you real quick. So they'll find out whether or not they belong there. Yeah, I mean, I, I would hope for my team, you know, if I have that conversation with them and I'm not ready and they're, you know, they're going to tell me that I'm not ready or the opposite, too. Right. If if maybe I don't think I'm ready, but they think I am ready. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I don't think a coach should usher his fighter into it and be like, hey, you should go pro. And that, to me, that's not right. The fighter should be itching to go pro. You know what I mean? I don't think a coach should be like, oh, no, you should go pro. The fighter should come to that come to that uh, mental state himself or herself. You know, I don't think that's something that should be pushed on you because it's just going to create problems later, I think. And again, it just comes down to, like I said earlier, the advice I'd give the fighters is just trust yourself and, you know, take everything with a grain of salt. Yes, take guidance from others. It takes a village. You're going to need you're going to need help from a lot of people. At the end of the day, just trust yourself and just remember that you're the captain of the ship. So whatever you say goes. Do you think that changes now? I mean, on it's starting to come back a little bit here, but in Ontario for the longest of time, there was no amateur MMA. So you had used to have to go to either different places, different provinces. Montreal is a big one. Quebec um alberta bc do you think that changes again it's starting to come back a little bit now but um with the lack of amateur fights in ontario that maybe some of these fighters get pushed to pro a little bit sooner possibly yeah i've thought about that too it could be that they're like hey you know what i can't even get an amateur fight here let's just go pro because i'll be able to get my license and i'll be able to compete so in that respect i don't i actually don't mind someone doing that you know if they're if they're not able to get an amateur, if they're not able to get amateur experience where they're living, and the only way for them to get that experience was to go pro, again, that's that's on them. You know, if they want to make that choice and make that jump, then I'm all for it. You know, go for it. But if they belong, whether they belong there or not, that's something that they're going to have to find out for themselves. Of course. Well, I'll start to wrap it up here. Before I before I kind of jump into my closing questions here, I want to know about your role models. Now, it doesn't have to necessarily be you know, MMA related, but just in general, who were people that you looked up to growing up? People I looked up to growing up. Or even That's still. A, even still today? Yeah, I mean, it, it's possible, right? For sure. For sure, yeah. So growing up, people that I looked up to, I'm not too sure. Honestly, what I did in university, something that really uh, helped me was I was really big into um, like self-development and things like that, positive self-talk and all that kind of stuff. So I was going on YouTube and just looking up all these like motivational videos and all these speakers and things like that. So I don't know them personally, but some of the mentors that I had with me going through my career was one of them. Uh, his name is Jim Rohn. He's this, he's, he's, he's just this old white guy who I just, I just love his speaking abilities and the kind of message he delivers. So Jim Rohn was a huge mentor for me. Again, I don't know him personally. I've never met him. I think he's, I think he probably died like many years ago, but his videos are all online that I listen to. Uh, someone just like, um, so Jim Rohn is one, Les Brown, again, is another motivational speaker that I like to listen to uh, when I was in university. So those are just a couple of mentors that really helped me. As far as 
like martial arts related mentors. I can't really, honestly, I can't really think of any. Um, today, there's certain people in my life that I take inspiration of just, just in life. Like one of them being one of my managers at work. His name is Sergeant Noel. And I think he's just a real, he's a real man's man. You know what I mean? The way he carries himself and the way he treats his coworkers, um, the way he treats his family, I think is, is really good. And it's something that I'd like to emulate as I go forward, but that's just in life. As far as mental, uh, as far as, sorry, mixed martial arts mentors, I don't, honestly, I don't really, can't really think of too many. You know, I've, I've always just tried to look to myself. I don't want to look too far outward. I want to go more inward and be like, no, no, look, look towards yourself for, be your own mentor. You know what I mean? Just be the person. I just try to think of what would the most, not the most necessary, the most badass, but what would the, what would the best martial artist do? How would he carry himself? What would he be like? I just try to imagine that in my head. And once I imagine those things, I just try to go forward in my daily activities and just try to be that. Now, I'm curious here because it sounds like, you know, being a, a professional mixed martial artist is your identity. Is that is that a fair statement? I I guess so. I guess so. Which doesn't sound too healthy because what if I were to get some fucking like injury or something or stop fighting like what's my identity after that so i i guess yeah i guess you could say right now a big part of my identity is a mixed martial artist for sure i mean you just asked my next question yourself there you know what would happen to you you know obviously this is a, a what if scenario so i'll keep it short but what what do you, would happen to you if something were to ever happen and you could no longer compete i'd be fucking lost i'd be devastated i'd be lost but i my life would not be over though i would find something i would find some other passion to go towards I would try to, I've, I'm, I'm hearing from people that a, a lot of times something that makes them feel fulfilled is helping other people. So I would try to get involved in my community in some way if I'm able to. And that's pretty much it. Just try to be a good family member, try to be a good friend, try to be a good coworker, just try to be good and not on all the other areas of my life. But I would be fucking devastated for sure. I would be absolutely lost because even I was just talking about this with my buddy today, actually, but like all my days off when I'm like, supposed to be resting from training and things like that or maybe i was supposed to have training and it fell through so i have to wait a little bit like until the evening whatever uh i feel so fucking lost and empty i'm like oh my god i'm like i actually don't have much going on for me without this martial arts stuff and then i'm like what i'm like i and i use martial arts as a way to like just ignore all the shit that's going on in my head that people ignore on a daily basis like you know just conversations with themselves that they don't want to have suppressed emotions all that kind of stuff i just ignore and i use it and, I, and martial arts is a great way for me to escape that so on those days when a training uh a training will fall through or i'm not training that day and i'm just sitting there by myself i'm like wow i'm fucking empty and i had that feeling uh i felt it the most after my pro debut because i remember after my pro debut i worked so hard for it i was training so much it was like three days after my pro debut when i was remember sitting in my apartment alone and the camera's gone uh the hype is over everyone's going back to their lives and I was just sitting there and I had the most empty feeling ever. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm like, what the fuck? And all these, like I said, I just it just forced me to start thinking about other aspects of my life. And I'm like, no, fuck that. I don't even want to think about that. I'd rather just ignore that shit and, and just spaz out in the gym and, and, and continue to do martial arts. So it's definitely a good escape for me to, you know, not confront the things that I should be confronting mentally. But that's just what it is. So I'd be pretty lost without it for sure. But I know for a fact that if I couldn't compete or if I couldn't do this kind of stuff, I'd be okay. I'd find something else to to give my all to and i would just continue trying to be a good person all around well let's not think about that because it hasn't happened it sounds like a drug really it does it, it's essentially that's what it is yeah it's essentially it is a drug and yeah and i'm fucking hooked i love it man well i've got three closing questions i ask every one of my guests i'm excited to ask them to you the first question what three qualities do you possess that make you successful uh, like I mentioned earlier, my determination, no matter what happens in my life, I'm able to, it's almost, you could say determination, but I can also dissociate like whatever's happened in my life. When it comes down to martial arts or something I need to focus on, I can just allow myself to not feel those feelings and just focus on the task that has to be done. So I really, I'm really happy with that, that I'm able to essentially dissociate from my feelings sometimes from life and just focus on what needs to be done. So my determination, uh, what other qualities? Sorry, what was the question exactly? What qualities? What three qualities do you possess that make you successful? Yeah, so the determination part for sure. Uh, I think the uh, the attitude that I have, 
that I bring. So not only am I determined, but as I'm going about this journey, I'm very grateful for everything. Like all the things that are coming into my life and all the people that are helping me, my coaches, my teammates, my manager, um, you know, just how things are falling into place. I'm very grateful for the whole process. And I think that's going to help a lot. So I'm super determined. Uh, the attitude I'm going forward, I'm not, I'm not bitter about this journey or the things that I have to go through. I'm very grateful for it. And also, I think another quality that I have that helps a lot is mixed in determination with a good attitude. I'm also very physically gifted. Like I'm super athletic, certain things like just my flexibility, my cardio, my ability to pick on different techniques pretty quickly. Uh, those things are going to really excel me forward. So if you have someone like myself, who's super athletic, super determined and has a good attitude, that person's unstoppable. And that's the way I look at myself. I'm like, yeah, there's no one that can, that can stop me, man. I can fucking do this. I can make it, I can make it to the top. Mm. I love that. I love that. I'm excited to watch your journey to the top. My next question here, and and I'm so intrigued to find out your answer just off of everything that you've said. If you could go back in time, what is something you would tell your younger self? I would just tell my younger self, start training earlier. That's pretty much it. I started from what I understand, what I consider kind of late. Actually, that's, I don't know if I would say that because I think a part of the lifting weights helped me be a stronger athlete. So I think, what would I tell my younger self? Fuck, that's a good question, man. I wouldn't necessarily say train earlier because things happen at the right time. I don't know. I, I'm really, I'm really happy with the person I am today. And the person I'm becoming. So I would tell my younger self, hey, just keep going. Just do your thing. Just keep going. All the all the mistakes I've made in the past have shaped me to be the person I am today. And as as painful as those those mistakes have been, and the mistakes I'm still making today that I'm really frustrated with myself, despite all those mistakes and despite the despite the mistakes I'm gonna make in the future, they truly shape you to be who you are. So I wouldn't tell myself anything. Because I'm, like I said, I'm happy with the person I am today. I'm happy with where I'm going. So I wouldn't tell my younger self shit. I know exactly what he'd be in for. And I'd be like, yeah, go fuck up. Like you're gonna like, go make that mistake. Go mess up in this aspect of your life. Go be a disrespectful person and then feel bad for it. Go, go make all the mistakes, you know, because I know that they're, they've shaped me to be who I am today. So I'm grateful for all of it. Everything that I've been through, everything that. Now. Just based off of what you said there, I have to ask, what would you say your biggest mistake is? My biggest mistake? Like that that you've made, yeah. Or you said maybe you're currently making. Hmm. Biggest mistake I've made so far. I think the biggest mistake I've made in the past and just so far is like I mentioned earlier, is just disassociating from my emotions too much to a point that it gets pretty toxic with my personal life, like with my friends, family and the people, um, you know, just things like that. So I think I just dissociate a little bit too much. I need to be a little bit more intact with how I'm actually feeling because too often I'll just not feel those feelings and just go go train and forget about it and not deal with those things and i know it's going to bite me in the ass later with the, my relationship with the people in my life so i think that's a big mistake that i've made in the past and i'm making even today is that i just dissociate too much and i'm too disconnected from how i'm actually feeling i need to get more in tune with myself and solve some mental battles because once i start clearing up the mental battles and those issues that i have currently and i've, I've had in the past everything else is going to fall into place so i love that Last question here for you. What is something you do every day that you are proud of? Something every day that I do that I'm proud of. I wake up every day and I truly give thanks for the life that I'm living. I wake up every day and I can honestly say that I have a moment where I'm like, hey, I'm living today. I'm a professional mixed martial artist. I have my job. I have my family. I have my friends. I have my coaches. I have everybody. I have everything I need to get the job done. Like I just say thank you to God or whoever like the universe, you know what I mean? So that's something that I'm proud of every day that I'm able to have a good attitude and just and just recognize my blessings because I'm very blessed and I live a great life. I love that. Do you have any questions for me? Um, you train a Cal Samurite? Is that where you're from? I Yes, I do, yep. Okay, that's awesome. I thought I, I may have, I don't know if we've ever actually met in person before, have we? 
I think a few times. Yeah, yeah. I think one time we sparred, you beat me up pretty bad, but did we fuck? <laughs> That's all right. All right, on, right on. Yeah, no, um, no, no questions for you, man. I just want to take a chance to say thanks so much for having me on here. This has been such a blast, dude. This has been a lot of fun. So I really appreciate you having me on. Awesome, thanks. Well, I'm gonna have to have you back on when you're that UFC champion. So, hundred percent, man, hundred percent. Um, tell everyone where they can find you and follow your journey. Uh, just mainly on Instagram. That's where I'm most active. So just at Ryan Yapsam, R-Y-A-N-Y-A-P-S-A-M, at Ryan Yapsam on Instagram. You can find me there. Uh, that, that'd be the biggest help. And yeah, just follow my journey. It's going to be a fun one. Awesome. Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate you. Yeah, Dylan. Thanks a lot, man. You have a great day. You too. Thanks for listening, guys. I really, really do appreciate you taking your time and listening to this podcast. Once again, just a quick reminder, please do like and subscribe wherever you guys get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. And like the Facebook page and also like the Instagram page as well. And don't forget, subscribe to the YouTube channel and the TikTok as well. Thanks again, guys.